0: It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Lisa Pizek is a business strategist Number one, international Amazon best-selling author, Thrive global author, worldwide speaker, and RN who takes your business online with excellence. Her strategies and systems help customers connect and become clients fast. She studied under the world's best, such as Brendan Bouchard, Bo Eason, and Roger Love. Audiences say Lisa has a fiery inspiration, contagious energy, and to-the-point strategies. Lisa, her husband Eric, and their team specialize in done-for-you services with branding, content creation, funnels, and websites with their agency, Infinite Design House. They also offer SEO blogs, social media, and lead generation with their sales booster program. They do all the things you don't know how to do or don't want to do in the online space. Welcome, Lisa. We're so happy to have you here today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here and this is going to be so fun. I can't wait to dig in. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So
0: without further ado, let's do it. Lisa, Tell us your song that best resonates with your story that you're going to tell today. Can I get a drum roll, please?
1: Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Yes. Oh, oh. oh. the best. Oh.
0: The best. Oh. The whole album. Uh, First to finish. uh, The best.
1: And they've tried to like cover it, remake it, redo it. And I'm like, no.
0: No, let's not mess with a good thing. You know, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's so funny you say this, Lisa, because this has been one of my COVID albums. There've been several, but around the Black Lives Matter time, all of a sudden in my head, I started singing, talking about a revolution. And I had to pull up that album one night and I just... From start to finish, I listened to the entire thing, and it is incredible. The words, um, the messages, so good.
1: It's like soul music. Like her voice, her words, the storytelling in her songs, like it hits you in the, it's like guttural, like it hits you in the core. And I first heard that album when I was in eighth grade.
0: Nice. Eighth
1: grade, I remember.
0: Wow. What was your response? Do you
1: remember? You know, my teacher played us the tape of the song Fast Car. And I don't even remember why she was playing that. I have no idea if she was trying to teach us something or the learning concept or why we were like dissecting it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went up to her after class and I said, hey, what are you going to do with that, with that tape? And she's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, are you going to use it like for future lessons or can I have it? And she's like, oh, she goes, you really like it? And I said, yeah, there's just something about it that's like sticking with me. Can I have it? And she gave me the tape. Get out. Wow. And I wow. think it was the lyric. I that were inside. Yeah. I couldn't, yes. expre- as, as being in eighth grade, I couldn't express what was going on in my life. I didn't know how to tell people. I, I had a lot of fear and, and worry around it. But for some reason, when I heard those lyrics, I was like, this is familiar. I feel this. I get this. Like, I feel it was almost like healing, like validation and healing for me yes. in this little cassette tape that my eighth grade teacher was playing.
0: I mean, what a gift, Lisa. I mean, that that is amazing. And, you know, I remember opening up those cassette tapes and pulling out, and how did they get, like, that length? If you think about it, I'm, I'm putting my hands out, you can't see it, but, like, how you pull it out and, it, and the lyrics just keep going and going and going. And, like, how do they fit that into that little cassette box? Like, how did they do that? The packaging, you know, must have been something else on those. Right. But I loved that. Like, I loved opening it up and word for word singing all, you know, all of those songs. And wow, what a powerful trip down memory lane. And and honestly, what an amazing eighth grade, you know, I, teacher you had. Seriously. It
1: was like, she didn't even question it yeah, you can have it. Take it. And that was that. I I felt like I won the lottery. I was like, oh, I could have this. I played it and played it and played it in my bedroom, exactly like you said, pulling out those lyrics and following along. Oh, such a gift. Such a gift.
0: Such a gift. Well, I'd love to hear how this song resonated with your story. Lisa, will you share your story with us?
1: So growing up, my mom told me Who I could date, who I could be friends with, where I could go, what I could do, what college I was going to go to, what profession I was going to get into. And if I tried to say any other way, it was like there was hell to pay. It was to the point where my mom would get on the phone with me in college and say, Lisa, are you coming home for Christmas? And I would say, nope, I'm working. And she'd say, okay, the summer then. And I'd say, no, I am working. And I work three jobs just so I didn't have to go home and listen to my mom. And when I graduated college, I met this guy named Eric. Oh, yeah. And it was this whirlwind love. And after three months, we got engaged. Three months? Three months. Wow. I come from the white catholic american traditional family that i thought i would be dating and then this long engagement and the white picket fence and oh no it was like wham bam whirlwind love at first sight thing so i call home and and i'm like mom i met this guy we're engaged it was around thanksgiving time she says oh honey this was the happy side oh honey Bring him by. Your father and I, we want to meet this man who loves you. So we go and we're sitting at the table and my dad's on the right and Eric's on the left and my mom's right across from me at the table. She had just cut the turkey and there's like football on the TV and we're sipping wine. And I thought, okay, all right, this is, this is nice. Pumpkin pie gets served for dessert. And Eric says to me, baby, you got to take a bite of this pie. It's so good. I go, okay. I lean in to take a bite. My mom stands up from the table in front of the entire family and says, Lisa Marie, don't you dare put another piece of food in your mouth. You are too fat to even fit into any wedding dresses. So I leave, I run back up into that bedroom where I was listening to Tracy Chapman when I was a kid with the blue paneling walls and the new kids on the block posters on my wall. And that feeling, that shame, that embarrassment was welling up inside of me. It was a familiar feeling. And I thought, this guy's not going to marry me. I thought, he's not going to marry into this. He's not going to want to deal with any of this. And I was afraid that he wasn't even going to be there. And little did I know that I turned my head, he'd follow me right up the stairs. And he's like, what was that? And I'm like, that's normal. And he's like, no, it's not. Uh. A Month later, we decided we're going to move. Eric's from Canada. So I thought, all right, we're going to come up here. We're going to come to Canada. And I thought, I'm just not going to call home as much. Now that I'm away, now that I'm gone, now that I'm going to live my life here and start my life with this man, I'm going to call home less. I'm going to start doing things that make me happy. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start taking care of myself. I'm going to start listening to personal development. And a few years later, we get pregnant and we have our little guy, Oliver. Now this whole time I'm thinking, okay, now she's a grandma. Now I should call home. Now it's about him. Now it won't be about me. Now she'll back off. Things don't change. I call home, it's Lisa. You're gonna screw this up. You're a terrible mother, you're a bad parent, you're a this, you're a that. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. So for an entire year, I cut off contact. First boundary. Mm. Can't do this anymore. Can't have this influence. Cause even though we didn't talk all the time, that voice was still going on between my ears. And one day I'm pulling out of a parking lot and my phone is going ding, 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 ding. Text after text coming in, I thought, oh my God, that must, like, something must happen to somebody. This is serious. If someone is blowing up my phone like this, I pull over, I pull out my phone, it's text messaging, it's my mom. Lisa, we haven't spoken in quite some time. Things you need to know. You are heartless, you are soulless, and you are no longer my daughter. Wow. Wow. I threw down the phone. I wasn't even thinking clearly. I threw the car and drive. I was like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here, I gotta go out of drive. And I swear it's like the steam was coming out of my ears and I was bawling because not knowing how to speak my emotions, when big emotions welled up whether it was anger or whatever it was, I would just weep and cry, I was crying. And I was just about to pull out onto a busy highway. And something in, I heard this voice in the car go, stop, stop. And I instinctively slammed on my brake. And I felt the jolt of the seatbelt. And I felt the jolt of the car. And just as I look up, this massive transport truck. Like nose millimeter. From the car, driver's side. Wow. And I thought, wow, I could have been dead. Like, I would have been dead on impact. I have a son. I have a husband. I have a career. At the time, I had a business that I was, that's now a full-time thing that was a side thing. I have things that I want to do in this world. Mm -hmm. And that line in the song where she says, leave tonight or live and die this way, I was like, oh, man. Like, Wow. Because in that song, she talks about this. It's with her boyfriend or her lover. It's this troubled relationship that they can't find their way and they can't figure it out. And she has this illusion of what she wants their love to be. Yes. And that's what that was with my mom. She wore the title mom. And yes, there was food, clothing, and shelter on my back growing up, but the emotional abuse and the space to grow and just that the parenting that you gotta give your kids as they grow from you know newborns to babies to toddlers to tweens to teens. You know, there was no space for individuality. And it was always this we have to be perfect. We have to look good on paper. We got to sit in the front row of church like this happy little family. And behind closed doors, it was, things were busted. It was busted. And that part in the song when she says, you know, leave tonight or live and die this way, I was like, when I calmed down and was able to put the car back and drive. I was like, I am not dying with this influence in my head. I am not allowing this in my life anymore. I'm not living my life in the past, always trying to please someone that I'm never, ever going to be able to please. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more to prove. There's nothing more to do except know that you're worthy and you're enough and start living your life. Wow. And that was such a defining moment for me. And I didn't even tell my husband the severity of it until like a week later. Like I remember calling him and I'm like, "Uh, uh, something almost happened. And like, I'm 15 minutes from home and I just need you to like, talk to me and get me home. And when we got home, I showed him the text and he was like, Oh, you know, that's your, that's your mom. Like, you know, it was nothing new. You know, we had been married for however many years now he was used to it. Right. And then he was like, what are you going to do, babe? Like a week later, he was like, you're still kind of talking about this. You're still, you know, what what are you going to do? And I was like, enough is enough. No more.
0: Wow. Such an incredible story. And I believe that so many of the people in the audience can relate to what you're saying and really feel the wanting and yearning to please, right? And... Also, going back, I remember a time, similarly, where you call home and you're expecting because you want something, right? Whether it be support, whether it be you want some sort of connection, some sort of care, of nurturing, and then you realize that that wasn't given to you, and yet you still make the phone call to try to get the same things, right? And then, like, how many phone calls throughout life do we make to try to get that thing, that thing that we yearn for, that we want, that soon we realize, guess what? It's not there, you know? And you're going to have to find this in other places. Mm. And, and it's just so interesting that you, that the story that you tell and, and that the strengths that it took to, number one, Catholic guilt is a real thing. Um, I'm Catholic. Catholic guilt is a real thing. So not only are you setting those boundaries for yourself, but then also dealing with the other aspect of it, which is the Catholic guilt. Okay. Then there's also the other aspect that it's your mother and you're a parent and you're a mom. And so it's, it's so loaded. Right. And I just wonder, and I, our audience would love to to know what is your mindset? Like, how do you do it? Because I know that it's not, Something that you do and it's over, right? It's enough. It is enough. Is the first step. Yeah. So, what is that mindset that you have, and how do you keep going, and how do you, you know, just uh, start to undo some of that?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I did go to therapy. Something that I like never, you know, I grew up being told maybe it's the Catholic guilt. Therapy are for the really messed up people, and don't. My mom literally said to me at one time, "Don't go there because they're going to put that on your record." And then you're never going to be able to get a job if they see that you had to go to therapy and talk to someone about something. Well, you need help. You can't forgive and build your self-worth and build your self-esteem. Sometimes on your own, you need help. So I started going to therapy and a big lesson they said to me, they said, you know, you keep drawing the line in the sand. You keep saying you're not going to talk to me this way. You're not going to treat me this way. You're not going to talk to my son this way. You're not going to talk to my husband this way. And every time you go back and you let her talk to your family this way, it's like she's stepping over that line in the sand. And they said, at what point are you going to make that? This is the final line in the sand because I'm worth it. Mm -hmm. So it was this whole take away the label, mom, dad, see the person and the human for who they are. And it was not looking at my mom as a mom. It was looking at her as just another woman in my life. And I thought if this was a friendship, if this was a boss, if this was a boyfriend, you know, I would have never stayed in that kind of relationship. So boundaries were the very first thing that I had to learn how to set. And I realized that not only did I have crappy boundaries in that relationship, I kind of had crappy boundaries in all the relationships in my life. So learning how to say no and not apologize for it or explain. Learning how to say, hey, that comment you just made to me, that really upset me and I want to tell you how that how that made me feel. Being this like effective communicator and setting boundaries Was one of the first things I had to do. And I realized that all these fears and worries and stories of, oh, if I set that boundary, you know, that's going to cause an epic fight in our marriage. Or, oh, if I set that boundary, I'm going to lose the client. No, people understand, and you have better communication when you can be clear as a parent, as a wife, as a business owner, as a friend, you know, whatever it is. So, Setting boundaries and not being afraid to communicate how I was feeling, how I was feeling was the first thing. Second, were that every feeling meant something. So like, I didn't know how to get angry. Like anger was this emotion that, oh, no, no, good girls don't show anger. Oh, no, no, good Catholic little girls don't ruffle the feathers and make it, you know, you do what you're told and you keep your head down, you shut your mouth. And so I didn't even know how to feel anything, but almost like a fake smile, a fake happiness. I didn't know how to feel angry. I didn't know how to feel ticked off. I didn't know how to feel these big emotions. And it was getting back in touch with Every emotion has a meaning and every emotion is allowed to be felt Yes, and work its way through. Like The permission to just be who I am, it was like finding myself all over again and going back to that little girl that never got nurtured and cared and loved for and listened to, going back and and almost reparenting myself. And like giving myself that gift of that. And honestly, I dove into podcasts, books. Like I didn't try to do it myself. I went to therapy. I talked to healers. Like they were just so mad. I went to yoga. Like I started going to the gym. Like I just put myself in places that allowed me to free flow whatever emotions, you know, the old me is like, oh, you're mad. Oh, you can't be mad. Oh, you're sad today. Oh snap out of it, put on that happy face, Lisa. And it was like, I let myself go to therapy and cry. And be like, I'm having a really bad day. I let myself go to kickboxing and beat the crap out of bags, right? Like I put myself in places that allowed me to not be someone that I wasn't.
0: Yeah, wow, wow. I mean, it's amazing how much self-care you took. And that's really what it was. It was that nurturing uh, yourself, um, and and reaching out for help, and getting the help and the nurturing and those things that we make those phone calls to go get, and they're not there. So, you know, reaching out and, and in those other places to find the support, to find the love, to find the mirror to see, wait, this is who I am. And I bring so much of this, all of these gifts to the table, which you do, Lisa, because I know you. And I mean, it's just, it's really incredible to hear your story. And then also you seeing you as a mom, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to meet your son and your amazing husband. And then also you're a businesswoman. Yeah. So, I mean, you have so many different facets where you have to communicate and uh, communicate quickly and not sweeping things under the rug. And I think that I came from our rug, at the you know end of the day, was probably you know touching the ceiling. There was so much under it, right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was a big mound in the center of the room. You know, like like kid. And I was the expressive one. I'm the middle child, and for better or for worse, my poor parents. I was the one that really couldn't uh, keep things under the rug, and uh, they all had to come out, and usually all at once. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, but I also had you know because I had so much emotion and so much feeling. Oftentimes, it, how I voiced it wasn't always the, the best way, right? There's definitely better ways of communicating, but it was just so bottled up that eventually it, it just, you know, comes out in, in, in different ways. And um, And once again, you know, through therapy and through other ways of taking those emotions, I love what you said about you know emotions when we feel them. There's a reason we're feeling them, and if we turn away from those, and that's our gut. Yeah, that's our gut. If we're having a reaction, like we have to listen to it because that's our intuition. Yeah, that's our center. And the more we ignore those feelings, that you know, the the more more dysfunctional our communication will be. Yes, and the relationship with ourselves because we're turning our back. On ourselves and our feeling and devaluing ourselves in that in that way.
1: Oh, yes. I realize whenever I don't listen to my gut or I don't make a change, the only person I let down or I betray is myself because mm-hmm. your gut yeah. knows. And, you know, you were talking about you're the middle kid and, you know, sometimes you can feel like and you're so expressive. You're the weird one. Like you've I've all I always felt that in my life. Like I'm the different one. I'm the weird one. Everyone else is so this and I'm so this. When all along they're the ones that need help. And you're the one who's like on the right path. Or, you know, those family values, when you're the one that shakes things up a bit, it can be really challenging. Or in any, you know, situation, workplace or wherever you are, when you're the one that thinks differently or shake things up a bit, everybody wants to quiet you down and shove you under the carpet. And you're like, no, 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 right? (laughs)
0: Exactly. So I would love to hear how this story has impacted your business, because I understand from what we've talked about, during this COVID time, your business has exploded exponentially. Ooh, yeah. And I would love to hear how the strengths that you use, that perseverance, number one. I mean, you persevere, Lisa. You were you were such a strong person. And, you know, being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to look at things. And how do you continue to use those strengths, especially since your business is just really exploding right now?
1: Yeah. Most of our clients that come to us, We're saying, you know, we thought this COVID thing was going to blow over. We thought this was going to be a two-month thing or a three-month thing. And now they're going, oh, my God, if I don't pivot online, if I don't add another layer, like a course, or if I don't take what I'm doing offline and somehow bring it to life online, if I don't evolve, I'm not going to be here anymore. And I think that was, I had lived for three decades of my life just hoping that this relationship was going to either A, magically get better with my mom. You know, oh, when I get married, it'll get better. Oh, when I have a kid, it'll get better. Oh, and you know, things will just, she'd freak out and oh, things are just going to blow over. Taking that passive, not really taking control for making change in my life. And the clients that come to us are like, I got to go, I got to do And I need someone who can streamline the path of least resistance to make that happen. And a lot of times people think it's adding new and adding more. And we've been able to tell people, cut that out. You don't need that. Put that on hold. Table that till later. Here is the gift and the gold that you should be putting out into the world. So I find being having the background I came from and I'm actually a nurse by degree so I was a nerd that was yes. the, I went to nursing school right and that was the
0: that that. Yes.
1: right That was not my dream. but empathy and compassion and I was an ICU nurse for a while so critically thinking like being that step ahead, all of those skills translate over into the work that I do now. Wow. I'm always one step ahead. I know where they, you know, a lot of people say to us, you ask questions that nobody has asked us before because you're thinking two, three, five, 10 years into the future for us. Yeah, we, we plan it so that you're able to do what you're doing for the next 10 years if you choose. So we plan ahead and then really gut checking people. Is this your dream? Is this what you really want to do? Or is this just something that someone told you you should do or you're good at? Because there's a difference between just because you can doesn't mean you should.
0: 100%.
1: And when you do it a lot and you have a lot of options, it's so easy to dilute yourself and say yes to so many things that actually takes you off path from the real true core center of what you want to do in your business what ripple effect do you want to have in the world so i cut right to the heart of like we don't got time to mess around i know that we've got 10 years or we've got time to carry this out but we got to get really clear on what this is right from the get go and that's like the key i think from everything is you know i realized my life could have been taken in a second and our time on this planet is short and there's we can't waste time mucking around With things that don't serve us or dreams that aren't ours. It's time to get right into what you were meant to do and let's go.
0: Wow. You know, it's just what strikes me about you and and everything that you're saying is just the amount of care that you bring to your clients. And I can see how your business is as successful as it is because you know, it it is, you know, client-centered and you care authentically about them as human beings and pulling the best out of them
1: Uh, and and what they truly love like what lights them up yeah and usually it's things that they've been told is a stupid idea it can't be done it's not possible and I like the fire just goes in my gut when someone says someone said this was dumb or someone says this is impossible and I'm like -hoo hoo watch me like, let's do it. Right. Game on, game on. And a lot of it is in everything I create There's storytelling in it. So I get really intimate with the clients that we help. I know their stories. I know their past traumas and pains. And, you know, we do business with people we trust,
0: whether you're a company
1: or a personal brand or an entrepreneur or whatever it is, There's always a story behind why you're doing what you're doing. And you know, we've been in, you know, masterminds together, teasing out Mm -hmm. our stories. You're so reluctant to tell it because you don't think it has any weight or any value. And that's the thing that I kind of nudgingly, you know, force people to get really comfortable sharing themselves. And once Mm -hmm. they can do that, they can heal and their business goes crazy, right? And that's what we want.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's so funny, I was just thinking as you were talking and we're and and about this COVID time, you were one of the last people I saw before lockdown. Because we were together in March. And it was literally California shut down that Tuesday, we saw each other, you were flying back to Canada that weekend, I think Sunday. And then and <laughs> I mean, that you were like one of the last people I saw. So it's just, it's such a pleasure to get to spend this time with you. And, and, um, and, and how lucky I was to spend that those days uh, with you at Bo uh, best event. So uh, that was so fun. Yeah,
1: we were supposed to stay until Tuesday. And then we ended up getting the flight on on Sunday, because they were saying, oh, borders are going to shut down. And
0: I That's right.
1: Canada, and we thought, oh man. So, yeah, you were probably one of the very last people I saw before.
0: I know. Well, and I've been in my closet ever since. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So. I laugh because you know, starting a podcast, it's like how do extroverts handle uh, this pandemic? You know, well, they put themselves in a podcast in their closet so they can talk to people on a regular basis. I love
1: it. <laughs> Every time I do anything with you or see you, it's like what you see is what you get, and I love that so much about you. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, it's been it's been so fun. Now I want to know how is parenting for you uh during this time and and balancing your work and listen your you and your husband work together which is a whole nother podcast we could talk about and uh you guys have definitely seamlessly seem to work really well together every time I've seen you guys but uh how is it parenting with both of your roles? Because both of you work together for the business Uh and um from what I understand of Canada, you guys are also remote learning at this point.
1: Yes. Yeah. Homeschooling and then even all of our sons, he's six. Going on seven, all of his activities became his martial arts, his soccer, and we thought we're not—that's his only access to friends and connection and people. We're not going to cut that off. So yeah, booming business, both of us working, homeschooling, and martial arts, soccer, all these online activities. Uh, it's been wild, and we—you have to be careful what you wish for because we are always like, oh my goodness, we love being so connected as a family. And we love even Eric and I were like, we love parenting together and working together and playing together. And you know, well, now we are together (laughs) 24 seven. And some of the key things, number one, our words have weight. And there have been times when it's a rough day, things aren't going the way they're supposed to be going. And our whole family, I think, is empathetic and and like empathic. And like we feel if the energy is off in the house, everyone feels it. So if I'm stressed, then Eric's stressed and then Oliver's stressed, or vice versa. And it's always those days when it seems to be the whirlwind of everybody's at everybody's throat and we're, you know, and it's like that pause yeah I really am so intentional about the words that I say, and again, the self-care, do I need to go in the closet for five minutes and take a break? Right. like what do I need to go walk around the block for five minutes? Do I need to just step away for five minutes because I don't want to snap. I don't want to say something I don't mean. I don't want to react right because of us, because of all of the de- the competing demands. I, one, absolutely being really intentional with our words as a family number two we started this practice at dinnertime called my favorite part of the day oh nice so no matter what we have to share and find something good in each day and you know it's never it's never like oh we went to you know see that thing or we we took the bike ride around the park or it's always like you know, mom, you gave me a kiss before bed and, you know, told me I'm the best boy ever. Or, you know, mom, you, you know, my shoelace came untied and you, you, you tied my shoelace and gave me a kiss on the cheek. Like these little moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, you brought me a warm coffee and said, I love you. Like it's these little moments that we take for granted. that really are the big moments. So really taking the time to like digest those. And again, that pause. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, managing expectations and just being realistic with, you know, when we started, we thought we could get, you know, eight hours of a work day done and two hours of homeschooling. And we just kind of naively thought we could keep the same schedule. Right. And you can't. Like you can't just add more onto your already busy stuff. Yeah. And things that would take 30 minutes normally now take three hours. Yeah. And it's really helped us laser in on what is the priority? What really, does this even matter? Like next right. week, next year, are we even going to talk about this? Does this even matter right now? Yeah. If it does, then we do it. If it doesn't, it gets pushed. So really yeah. time management to make it all work and not pushing. There are days when the whole homeschooling isn't going. He's, you know, Oliver's off. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm not like, we need to get the curriculum done. I'm like, forget it. Like, we'll go at it again tomorrow. Not pushing, not forcing anything.
0: Yes, because it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, for our children, especially, because, you know, I have a a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old at the end of the day, this is tough for them. And really keeping your finger on the pulse of, you know how we're feeling, right? It's like, and and for especially the younger ones, I feel like that age where they're supposed to be in school and thriving with their friends and outside of the play yard and, you know, all those things that they loved most about school are not here. And, you know, I think the, the biggest piece for me uh, through this time is really is keeping the finger on the pulse, especially with the young ones. And um, just that, that awareness, of, an awareness of each other because we all, like each of us in the house here, you know, we're all together. We're all, and you know, my husband's a physician and we have taken the social distancing and the stay-at-home orders so incredibly seriously. Yeah. And I, we care for my mom who is elderly and at risk, high, high risk. So we really have hunkered down together. And I think it's really about, you know respect for each other in the house and and also being respectful of each other's emotions that day you know and and really keeping your finger on the pulse because you know as parents you and I have never been through something like this before this is new for us as well and i remember sitting down at dinner one night when when it really it was one of those tough weeks you know and everyone's emotions were high and you know i said to the boys i said you know we are doing the best we can here and we as parents have, we've never experienced this either. And so as a family, we're figuring out how to best navigate this time. Yeah, And I think opening up that communication, along with counseling, honestly, I, I, I say this, you know, you know if you, your kids are seeing signs of depression, telehealth therapy is, you know, a gift, you know, for our kids right now. And I, I highly recommend to anyone who's seeing any of those signs, Uh, lethargy, kind of exhaustion, just not wanting to do anything, Uh, you know, those types of uh, feeling sadness, overall sadness, you know, it's it's so important to be able to offer those services for our children, um, especially during this time. You know, with this said, Lisa, I just want to, you know, say as a mother, for you as a mother, as a leader, as, you know, an entrepreneur, as a wife, you know, all of those hats that you wear, you do such a phenomenal job. um, And you are such an incredible role model for so many people. And I'm so grateful to have, you know, had the opportunity to get to know you over the years and, and really grateful to have had you on this podcast today.
1: Thank you. I feel the same about you. You know, it's those people you can like keep it real with too. You know, you can get on. Someone says, how was your day? And you can say, it is a complete crap show. (laughs) Let me unpack unpack it with you. You Right, exactly. It's like, exactly like you said, we're all doing the best with what we know and what we have. And don't compare yourself to anybody else. What works for your family might not work for another family and vice versa. And I just love the truth and the authenticity and the heart that you bring to everything that you do. And I'm so glad oh. you asked me to do this with you.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the, the fun part of, uh, it's all fun, but the, here's the really fun part yeah. where we get to unpack the eighties for a second. Speaking of unpacking, what were some of your favorite trends uh, during the 1980s?
1: Mm, I love Jordans. They're, that's like when the original air Jordans came out. Yes. And I was always a tomboy when I was a kid. I wore a Jordan in like eighth grade, right around that time when the girls were starting to realize they like boys. I was wearing Jordan jerseys and Air Jordans and playing with my basketball with all the boys down in the court, like the tomboy. I love Jordan sneakers and the ripped jeans. That was the era. I never got into big big hair because I wasn't really girly girly. Well ripped jeans, air Jordans. I
0: love Yes, yes. Acid wash jeans. I can picture you in acid wash jeans with those Jordans on. I mean honestly, put on a jersey and call it a day.
1: Home girl. I was like home girl. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: yes that's so great did you have any favorite tv shows during that time oh you know i didn't we didn't watch a lot of tv my i remember i think it was the 90s my mom used to watch melrose place i think that was the 90s. yeah, that was 90s and then yes. prince of bel-air i don't know if that was the 80s or the 90s
0: that was 90s yes yes i think so yeah so, so you, well, that's great because you were outside playing basketball in your Jordans. Yeah. So, you that's know. true.
1: But MTV, though, was like a thing in the eighties. Like, I loved MTV. And it was like. Yes. I remember.
0: Oh. And then song. What was your favorite? What are some of your favorite songs oh, during that time?
1: Donna's, like, Like a Prayer. Okay. So okay. I yes. I remember blasting that. It was really weird in our house growing up. There was a TV in every room. I don't know. Our family, like, there was just TVs in every room. So I had one in my bedroom, my brother had one in his bedroom, we had one my parents had one in theirs. And I remember I would like close the door, and I would bowl, whenever that song came on, I would blast it. And I remember the one day my brother throws the door open, comes barreling in, and he goes, Mom said you can't play this song, Uh, and turns off the TV, but it was so racy, right?
0: I know, I know. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that, like, like a prayer, the whole thing, like a virgin... Um and I mean, Aww. forget about that, right? But what about I Want Your Sex? Like, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I remember being in the station wagon, you know, our Buick LeSabre station wagon, and I loved all the music of the 80s. You know, I, I, I love George Michael. Yeah. And I remember the song comes on and it's like, sex is something that we should do, you know? And and then I'm like, oh my God, my mom is in the
1: car. My mom's like, turn this off. What is this? You know? Right. Oh, so <laughs> racy and so intriguing. Yes. Like you just have and that s- innocence of you want to know. Like,
0: exactly. I'm like, what, what is this? Exactly. <laughs> right.
1: Something so different than the outside forces, like the outside influences. And you're like, what is this? Right. Oh, yeah.
0: Right. Especially in our Catholic schoolgirl worlds, yeah. you know. I mean, it really rocked our worlds. And I did, <laughs> yeah. Like hair
1: bands like Bon Jovi and Deaf, yeah. Where, like pour some sugar on me, like I oh yeah. Really, like get into like the rock band. like
0: such great too. music.
1: Oh, so
0: so good, so good. So good. <laughs> well, Lisa, I would love. Thank you again for being on this podcast today. But I would also love for um, anyone who's interested in the business that you do, which I think. A lot of people in COVID who have uh, businesses that need to up-level online, et cetera, tell them how they can get a hold of you uh, via, you know, your email address or other programs.
1: Yeah, so my website is com, and email is lisa at com, and everything we do is customized. So customized proposal for what's right for you and your business. And everything we do is done for you. So you stay and you do the things and you're a zone of genius or you do the things you want to do and we take care of everything else. Like the tech is the biggest part. People are like, I don't know, tech, tech scares me or whatever it is. We're completely done for you. So I would love that. That's what allows us to do it so quickly, to get you up and going so quickly. Um, I would love to connect with people or even just, I always say I'm like a curator of people. I just Mm -hmm. love to get to know people and what they do in their business to refer and see who's a good fit. I'm just, I'm that extrovert that just loves to know people and loves to know what you do. So I'd love to stay connected.
0: Yes. Thank you again. And I think during this time, people up leveling their businesses, this is a really perfect time to do that. Thank you again, Lisa, and have a wonderful day. And I look forward to uh, another Motivational Music Monday. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80s song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.